Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Downrange Podcast. It's Cody, joined today by Neil Schuster. We talk about a lot of things, a lot of personal stuff, a lot of business, NLU life topics, as well as just basic leadership, business development. Neil runs the majority of the business operations side at No Laying Up, and I work hand-in-hand with him on it. So it's nice to be able to discuss a lot of things that people don't get the insight, the background information on. And Neil was kind enough to come on and talk about those things. On Wednesday, we also premiered episode one of season eight of Tourist Sauce. The episode focuses on Stockholm and Stockholm Golf Club. If you missed it, please go check it out on the YouTube page. This podcast and all podcasts for the remainder of the year are presented by Mr. Ma Golf. You've heard me talk about it before. Great clothing company. Really good guys. Putting their money where their mouth is and doing incredible things for some adaptive veteran and non-veteran athletes. They sponsor the majority of the guests that I've had on this podcast. Please check them out at MrMogGolf.com. Follow them on Instagram at MrMogGolf. And get involved. Everything that they're doing is fantastic. Once again, that's M-R-M-A-G-O-L-F dot com and at Mr. Mogolf on Instagram. Lastly, Ben and I are debuting a new video podcast tomorrow or maybe today. Depends on when you're listening to this. If you want to get involved and be a part of it, first, there's a live studio audience portion where you can be a call-in listener. You can ask questions. In order to do that, you need to be a member of The Nest. The Nest is No Laying Up's community of avid golfers. You can find the link. I'll create a a thread there on the refuge where you can get the studio link. If not, once the show is done being live, we're going to cut it up, do a little post-production work, and get it up on our YouTube channel. So be on the lookout for that. A lot of amazing stuff going on right now. Busy time of year for us as we... Continue to get through all episodes of Tourist Sauce coming out weekly, every Wednesday, through the remainder of the year. And we got the big NIT coming up next week. So all of us will be down in Florida. Very, very excited about that. Anyway, here's Neil. Enjoy. kid is no more mr neil schuster what's up brother cody it's good to be here we set the elevator back down just so the, the people know cody cody hit me up about 15 minutes ago i said hey you got you got a spare hour i thought he had wanted to have a little just a little bullshit session a little one-on-one <laughs> sure enough he brings me in the booth he puts me on the record i love it this is exactly you have to your enemies uh, you're not an enemy but i would say surprise <laughs> is on my side here you don't need For any sure. prep i just want to get straight to the truth here okay let's let's do it fire it up all right first of all it's halloween season today is october 27th this will get published this week i don't want to know what your costume is going to be this year but i want to know what your your greatest halloween costume has been your entire life <clears throat> it's a great question um I was a great Pablo Escobar years ago uh, when uh, when that show on Netflix was on. I had, you know, got the pillow in the belly, 
had a really good Pablo look with the stash and everything. Uh, this was probably like 2015. That's not my favorite though. That's probably like the best generic one I've been. But there's been, uh, I guess, two separate occasions where I've been my f one of my friends for Halloween. Okay. Uh, the first was in college. I was my friend Chris Perouche, uh, Skinny P, this kid from Long Island. I was him for Halloween, and so I just walked around and asked like a, you know, a, a caricature of a of a you know, a guy from Queens, and uh, <laughs> you know, hair up and that wore a graphic tee. Uh, you know, it was deep in the uh, in the I think sophomore year of college, and then my, I think an even better one was I was my best friend Evan Miller for Halloween about four years ago and Evan if nobody's met him but he is uh, a character he likes to wear like uh you know flannels he always has like candy on him so I put like skittles in the uh you know the <laughs> breast pocket I wore the, these glasses you know he always wears these glasses to make himself look smarter and like dumb hats it, it, and I just kind of just bobbed around this party that uh he and my other buddies used to host in the West Village called they called it it was on their place was on Waverly and they called it Waverween absolute banger every year like five years in a row just a great like afternoon halloween party they had like a backyard and it was like a duplex and place just got turned uh now on the record clearly but like probably my best one ever i was john gruden for halloween uh <laughs> you're, you're a big I gruden just, guy that makes complete sense unfortunately i i I was a big gruden guy hate seeing my guy get canceled like that hate seeing what he said you know it's not good uh, but you know, Gruden with his QB stuff is his, uh, so I just started memorizing. I watched a bunch of Gruden videos and started just shouting out plays at the, the party for like four hours, like just like trips left spider two Y banana with the backside Venus <laughs> and, uh, just getting deep into the film room with people. Uh, so I, those are, those are, I'd say the, the Gruden one was great. I wore a, the wig. I had the fired football coaches of America visor on, I had the clipboard, uh, Got a lot of mileage out of that for uh, for a while. So that 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 would be those would be my top five, I guess. What was Halloween like for the Schusters growing up? Normal trick or treating? Did you beat up the neighborhood? Were you going to, you know, family and friends? What was kind of the scene? So we, you know, I look back when I was first born in Atlanta. We lived in a pretty tight subdivision. Great trick or treating, closed. All cul-de-sacs, you know, so it was it was great for trick-or-treating. Then we moved to Canada. You probably got those, like, jumbo-sized candies, too. Yeah, like, the whole neighborhood, like, you, you were required to take part in Halloween. There was, like, one guy across the street that, like, was a curmudgeon, but pretty much the rest of, like, the 50 houses in the neighborhood were just, like, were, were getting involved. Moved to Canada. Don't remember a huge trick-or-treating scene in Canada, uh, but I was only, like, six, seven years old. Then we, when we moved back, we where my parents currently live and where I kind of grew up and most of my memories come from, we, we lived on about an acre and a half. Like the houses are more spread out and there weren't a lot of kids in the neighborhood. It was like, as I got older and into high school and, it, and now when I go back to visit, it seems like there's more kids, but it's a hilly spread out neighborhood and it, there's a lot of corners. And, and so it's not great with cars. Like people aren't like whipping it through there, but it's, you know, it's not really a subdivision. There's like dual, there's like roads coming in from all directions. So it's more just like people have nice like plots of land. So I used to go back over to the old neighborhood where I was born <laughs> and I trick-or-treated there or we would go, you know, 
there's so many subdivisions on the north side of Atlanta, but we would basically drive to like the Edwards house, you know, or the, the nicest house. And then we would set up shop, you know, and, and, and prepare. And then we would go out and trick or treat, come back to their place. And then we would drive home. So I didn't, I never really loved that. Um, but you know, you know where I did get a nice little trick or treating scene was down in Jack's at the kill house, uh, on, uh, in Neptune beach that, that, that streets that the kill house is on is kind of close to cars. It's like right, right by the beach. And, uh, Carson and I were, you know, I don't think I was ready for, you know, all the, all the action. And you got to watch these kids, man. Like I, we, we were having dinner. So I was answering the door and I was, I, you know, I'm generous with what well, I'm that's getting out. That's a, that was going to be my first question. Are you the guy that just puts the bowl out there and ignores everybody or are you answer? No, the door? I made sure the light was on. The porch light was on. I made sure like I kept the front door open, left the screen open to make sure it's like, hey, you know, someone's home. It's all good. You can, you're welcome to walk up. And I was handing out the candy, you know, getting jolly with the kids. And then we, we sat down to have dinner. And so I, then I put the, uh, you know, the basket or the bucket outside, but you can see like from the table, like right out the window and the door was still open. Didn't matter. I mean, some of these kids were just, I mean, like it, it's, it, it resource yes. scarce. I mean, they were stocking up, man. And handfuls I'm like, after handfuls. You, you know, you see the dad out there, yeah. like on the outside the gate. I'm like, yo, come on. What what are we doing? Didn't we have a talk about this? Like, you know, come on, like leave some for the next kid. So we got cleaned out while we were having dinner. And I think we had, uh, it's always funny to see like what candy sticks around. Like, I think we had like <laughs> right. the assorted chocolate bars and Nobody wants the almond joys. No, nobody. Anything with almonds in it, nobody wants that. Which I don't want it either. Um, you know what else? I I like them. The Hershey, like bite size Hershey squares. Okay, I like not the kisses. We're talking the, about like the the individual little mini tiny bars, like the rectangles. Yes, yeah, the just milk chocolate rectangles. Yep, those get left behind. I think that's a miss by people. I think just the straight up Hershey chocolate is bomb. Um, but the the Milky Ways go quick. Starburst, I mean, you can kiss those goodbye early. Yep. Like, the kids love those. Uh, Tootsie Pops. I do remember, one thing I remember from growing up, trick-or-treating, we had a dog, a yellow lab named Shuby. And Shuby, uh, you know, Tron and I would come home, and we would basically, like, lay out our, you know, what did we pillage, right? And we would organize our candy, like, here are all my Tootsie Pops. Let me, how many Milky Ways did I get? Like, just a, a grid of treasure. And uh, we left the room. I couldn't have been for, like, 10 minutes. The dog ate, like, the whole coffee oh, table. Man. And my mom, we had to call, like, my mom called, like, poison control. Yeah. You know, it was all chocolate. So, like, I don't know if Shuby was ever the same after that. He did okay, but we had to, like, he was... He was barfing all over the place. That was probably when I was in like third grade. I, that was a, it was touch and go there with with shoes for a little while. So we had, from then on, my mom was like, "If you're gonna lay the the, uh, you know, the, the, the loot, the loot out, out, yeah, you got on, on the dining room table. <laughs> it, we can't do it on the coffee table anymore. So that was a lesson learned in the Schuster household. I bet you guys were absolutely heartbroken too. Not only because he got a sick dog, but everything's gone, man. Yeah, my mom was terrified for the dog. Uh, Tron and I were just mad about the candy. We're like, what do you mean he can't eat chocolate? Like, it, you know, why can't a dog have chocolate? I, we didn't, we didn't know that was a thing. Uh, that's how the twins are now. It's, it's crazy being a parent on the other side of it because everything that you talked about 
trick or, pre- trick or treating process is just so messed up. You got kids, you know, when you see the teenagers start to roll up and they're sniffing around yes. your candy bowls and everything, you got to keep a tight eye on them because they're just, they're going to rob you, man. Like that all. Yeah. Of- like, dude, didn't you age out? I think the last uh, eighth grade, I think I trick or treated. That was the last time I didn't trick or treat in high school. So uh, it's almost like the baseball glove at the MLB game. Yep. Like, I think middle school, I'll give you a middle school cutoff. Like, seventh, eighth grade, you know, it's like, I got nothing else to do. I get it. But if you're in high school and you're you're out trick-or-treating, I, I, I might have a problem with that. Similar to, like, if, if you're taking your baseball glove to the ballpark, that's, come on, we're not doing that anymore. Two things there. Number one, last year, not only did we have, like, teenagers just stealing everything, but also, like, if it's past, like, Eight eight thirty, like get out of here, man. Like yeah. unless it's a Friday or Saturday night, I don't have time. Like, what are your kids doing? Why? why how are these kids unsupervised out here? And it's getting like it does feel like dark early. What, what What are we doing? People ringing the doorbell like nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. Just get out of here. Go home. It's so true. Trick or treating is a dusk. It's an it's a late evening. It's yes. a sundown situation, right? So I agree with that completely. And it's like, it's not, you know, eight o'clock, sun's been down for 30 minutes. But also, it d- depends. Did you have the porch lights on? Well, you know, maybe you're sending mixed signals. We send a, right? A, maybe you're saying last call over here, you know, because you don't really, it, when you put the bucket out, like the other thing is you don't want it to run out too quick, but you also don't want a bunch left over. This isn't an all you can eat buffet. Like embarrassing. This yeah. is not Golden Corral. I, I don't care who it is. Like, you can't just come, you're not getting a year's worth of candy here. From the McBride household. Yeah. The second, well, what about, so... The second thing, real the quick, that, that triggered me yeah. here is you talking about kids bringing gloves to the baseball stadium, which I will say that's cute if you're a kid. Adults, it's a yes. different story. <laughs> Your brother, I, and Solly were in Korea last week, and there, were, <laughs> there was adults bringing baseball mitts to uh, the golf course, to the LPGA event. And it blew my mind. I'm like, what? What are these guys going to try to? Are they going to try to catch drives? Like, what? What's the thought process here? What are you doing with that baseball glove at this golf course? I didn't. I don't get it. Did you see any usage? None. None. They're just Were they having, carrying it around. You saw multiple. Yeah, there was like this entire group. They probably had like four or five baseball mitts with them. Maybe they're having a catch over, you know, off the side of seven. Which, yeah, that might be. I I might hear that argument of like, yeah, golf tournaments are boring. I just brought a baseball and we're going to have a toss on the side. (laughs) Like I'm not, you know, over by the fan experience tent. That could be, that could be a great way to entertain yourself at a golf tournament. You know what I've noticed? You you, you were going to ask the question before I went on a baseball tangent here about what it's like in Texas now. And I noticed that the, we don't live in like a gated community or anything. It's very open. The wives, the parents, all last week I was I didn't get home till late Saturday night, but probably about three weeks ago Yari got hit up and said, "Hey, we're we're gonna plan this trick or treating Halloween extravaganza out. It's not gonna be on Halloween night because it's a school night. We're gonna do it the Saturday prior, and we're all gonna do it together." So I guess the neighborhood all everybody had a, a not so much a trunk or treat action, but an actual trick or treat. Everybody had their stuff out last Saturday night. Everything was safe controlled she said there's like 100 kids running around complete chaos but there was rules in place very clear we're starting at five o'clock trick-or-treating is going to cease operations at seven o'clock 
when the sun is almost down, get out of here, go home, enjoy your candy, and that's it. We're done. So, two questions. One, why did they pick last Saturday, not this Saturday? Well, I think because this Saturday is going to be like, I don't know. What is this Saturday? Well, so this Saturday is the 29th. Because I think 31st is Monday. 31st is Monday. So I don't I was, know why. I was, like, I agree with, like, it, it seems that when Holloway fall, falls on a weeknight, if it's somewhat close to the weekend, you kind of pick that Saturday. is, Or you could maybe argue Sunday. Uh, but to, to bump it up a week, I mean, that's provocative. Listen. Right? Like, I wouldn't have my costume ready to go. <laughs> like, I, I feel like that's... You know, is that, is that, are we, I might have to talk to Yari about this because is that, you know, are we now doing the Christmas lights before, you know, Halloween? Like I went into Home Depot last week and they got Christmas trees. I'm like, yo, we don't, we haven't even, like, what are we doing? What I, I, I that always bugs me, you know? you know, so we can't be bumping up Halloween by a week, right? Like this that, is a, that's this uh, is a great question. I don't quite understand what's going on here, but. Uh, like a good husband, I'm consulting my family calendar here, thanks to, to sure. Google. Um, it appears that there's another Halloween event this Saturday. So maybe that was just the local community and we're doing some small town thing or something this weekend. Who knows? So, oh, you're doubling up. Yeah. Good for the girls. Yeah, great for them. Um, I also don't think like the quality of, of Halloween costumes, the way that they're made these days, are going to last another, another event, but sure. who knows? You know, they, pro- they also probably have to wear them to school next Monday for Halloween. We'll see what happens. So is the neighborhood you've got, is it a trick-or-treating neighborhood, or are we driving because we got to go somewhere more established? No, no, we're, we're dialed. We got plenty of... You're dialed? Uh, yeah, like everybody that lives in here, we got quite a few retired folk. We have other professionals that are around. You know, everybody seems to be doing all right. And that's because, you know, we moved into a brand-new community. So brand-new places... They clearly are spending the money uh, on their houses, so why can't they spend a little bit of money on some candy? It's for the for kids, sure. man. For the kids. Uh, and I guess that leads into uh, the logical next question, which would be, what are the girls for Halloween, and what are you for Halloween? <laughs> I think I'm going to be... Uh, uh, what are they? Who's the guy on uh, Paw Patrol? The leader of them. Mayor Humdinger? No, no, not Mayor Humdinger. I'm going to be the, the lead. Uh, who's the boy? Man, I can't even remember. Uh, Chase. Chase. No, Chase is the police dog. Oh, I thought Chase was the kid. No, I can't PC remember. would know. I know. It's PC's- weird. We watch that show, like, between that and Daniel Tiger, we watch it every single day. I can't believe I can't remember right now. God, I, get, I truly can't get enough of the, uh, like, Paw Patrol fascist stuff. Yeah. Like, Mayor Humdinger's corrupt and... I can't remember who the other mayor is, but I'm way in on on that. You know, adults taking Paw Patrol to the next level. It's weird. All, all the all the hidden messages. That's good stuff. <laughs> it's weird that I'm completely blanking on it right now. Uh, but yeah, so two of them are members of the Paw Patrol. One of them is just a witch. Very, very okay. much into uh, um, witches right now. So she's going to be a nice witch because she doesn't quite understand what everything else is going on with witches, but... That's kind of how we're rolling. Last year, they were PJ Mass. The whole entire family was. Okay. And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what they dress up as. It, like, they, it's just, like, the most adorable thing in the world. And partially of saying course. that because they're my kids and everybody thinks that way about their kids. But it's, it's so 
so cute. And they get so excited about candy, and then they bring all this stuff home, and mom and dad have to tell them, like, you can eat three of these out of the thousand pieces that you brought home, and then we try to hide them for a month until we forget that they're in the pantry, and then, like, three months later, we're like, oh, we probably need to get rid of this stuff. TC and I's play was to freeze it. See, you're remembering stuff when you're older, though. I'm talking about, like, little kids. Yeah, I know. You gotta gotta manage the intake. That's Halloween's it's bad for the habits, for sure. And you've seen your nephews, man. Once they get this sugar high, they're running around like crazy. You never know what's going to happen. Their bathroom schedule gets all out of whack. It's a tough time. We're trying to potty train, get this thing dialed. We just can't have that much sugar run through their system. When you see it, like, literally, if you just sit down and watch a kid eat a piece of, cho- a piece of chocolate, like, that's under five years old, it takes <laughs> ten, five to ten minutes. It's like, whoa. Yeah. That's wild, man. That is truly wild. Like, that has a massive impact on their, like, nervous system yes yes all right i think that's enough uh reminiscent and, and a little bit of halloween talk i think the reason why i wanted to have you on now is that it is a very very busy time not saying that all like the year in the golf calendar that we follow or content that we're producing is not busy but specifically for you fall schedule what this means leaving getting ready to exit q4 and starting the new year, you're the business guy. You're out there wheeling and dealing. And a lot of people don't know this side of it. But, man, you got a lot on your plate. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure it probably shocks a lot of people. Like, the way they, they let Icarito, they, they let him do deals. <laughs> like, guy's got a typo in every newsletter he puts out. Nah, you're the king uh, of closing, man. That's why. But, no, I got it. That's, you know, you take the skills you learn in one career and you start applying them to another. And uh, I think what I've always loved about our setup or our business is that each of us has a different skill set. And, you know, I just want to let, you know, I want to let DJ cook in the kitchen. I don't want him have to worry about clients or what are we doing next year. It's like somebody else can think about that. And same with uh, Sally in the pod and, you know, Tron's, Tron's great. He's, he and I are similar in that I think we kind of, you know, dabble in a lot of things, um, extra Swiss army knife mentality. Um, but, uh, he's got such a good eye for design and stuff that I'm, I'm almost like, Hey man, you and Casey can just run with a lot of the merch stuff. Um, so yeah, it's been a busy, I don't know, two months. Some of it's self-inflicted like, yeah, maybe I picked a weird time to move my whole life from Florida back up to New York city, which anytime you move is a hassle. But when you move to New York, it's like, just accentuates all the little stuff makes everything just a little bit harder right. but i think we've cleared out we're like 40 40 days in like month and a half in so once you start it's almost like getting on the highway like with new york city i've always felt that way like even coming back to school from atlanta you, it, it would take like a, a couple weeks a month and then once you start you know you get you kind of get in the city's rhythm now we're now we're coasting with traffic so uh, it's, it's going well. And I got my office set up. I'm really excited about that. I feel like that's been a massive boon to my productivity. I, I don't think I realized how like unproductive it was. I'm a, I'm a, always been the guy like I'll work anywhere, just pop open the laptop. And you know, I've been just working on this tiny screen for three years and finally got a monitor and a desk. And like, it's like, Oh cool. When I go sit down at my desk, I'm going to work. It's not like I'm sitting on the couch and I'm kind of doing half like half work. It's just not, you just don't realize what that's doing. So that's all been good. 
And uh, yeah, the way it works with us is, which it's, you know, it's improved a lot over the years, but we've got a lot of annual partnerships. So this time of year is, is, you know, it's partnership SZN. Um, But what I'm really proud of is I don't think we have one partner, uh, like main partner. There's been some smaller advertisers that, you know, for whatever reason on eh, mostly on their end that they don't, we don't work with them as much anymore, but uh, our main partners are, you know, we're running five years, six years with some of them. Right. And so I take a lot of pride in that coming out of some companies I did sales for when I was younger, like there are there, you know, it is not hard to do a bad deal and it it's actually very easy to do a bad deal and have someone not want to renew their relationship. And so I feel like our growth and stuff has been very, uh, thoughtful, slow, like, you know, you try to do good work and the good, I think the good news about good work is that like people want to keep doing it with you. The bad news is there's no shortcut. Like there's no secret. It's not like, there's no like magic, like, Oh, Oh my God. It just, everything doubled overnight. Like it just doesn't work that way. So it's kind of a, uh, there's a, there's a bit of a brick by brick mentality with our business. And, um, also coming out of the Silicon Valley world where, you know, there's high, high investments and valuations and things of that nature. We place a heavy emphasis. We kind of control our own destiny. But the drawback to that is you can't just pump a bunch of somebody else's cash into like a project you want to work on. You kind of have to start it small and, and grow it and, and keep an eye on it. And so, uh, but I think what I've really come to love is because I've been in that kind of business. I think this is a lot more fulfilling and I, I'm very proud of it. So I almost look at the, I was thinking about it today. I, I kind of look at the whole business as my, you know, whatever content project, if that makes sense. Like I just, I've, since the beginning of NLU, I've always gotten a kick out of like, oh, you guys want to sell some t-shirts? Like what's this Shopify thing all about? Let's set up a website. How does that work? You know, like, oh, you know what? Like we should do a membership thing. Like how do you outline that? Like what, what should be in that? Like, you know, what, how much of a discount should you put in the pro shop? Like any, and it just, you kind of figure it out and then you launch it. And if it works, it's, you, and then you just kind of keep getting a little bit better at it. And so you're probably sick of hearing me talk about that kind of stuff, Cody. But like, I just think that, uh, I always try to zoom out because we got, you know, we could get better at a lot of things in our business, but like, I always try to zoom out this time of year and, and I go back and I look at like our offsite deck, you know, from, from January we lay these goals out and you know, I, I don't know if everybody revisits them. I should revisit them more, but you go back and you start to look and you're like, Oh, and you know, we're doing pretty good against them. But then the best thing to do is you go back and you look at like, the 2020 offsite deck and you're like, man, we have come such a long way. And so you, we, we end up zooming in on these, like, Oh, why isn't this growing as fast? Or like, what's the deal? And then you zoom out and you're like, man, but like, it's so much better than it was two years ago. Like it just, you know, team communication stuff and like posting schedules and just like the organization around like the pod schedule, all that kind of stuff. You, you forget that we used to operate without it. And it's like, man, that is such a core piece of what we do. And then it makes my job easier when I'm looking at 2023 to be like, cool, now I have a template for what we did this year. And it makes it easier to tell like partners, like, Hey, here's what we're doing with live shows. Here's what we're doing. Like, here's like, whereas in the past, it's always kind of been like, 
Yeah, man, you want to buy some ad reads? Like, I, I think I think we're gonna do like a hundred pods next year. Like, maybe, maybe not. So, some of the structure I, we resisted it for a long time of like being a real business, but some of that stuff is really, uh, like, it it keeps the anxiety level down. Um, well, I hope you would came say out of Google. That not only anxiety down, but like, kind of creates. It's like we're talking about pathways and and each individual members vertical of the company but creates like freedom within to go out and create and be like yo i actually don't have to worry about that side of it because i know it's handled one thousand percent um i think randy said it a few years back we were talking about we were having a meeting about just how the nlu pods going how's everybody feeling about it and this was when this was pretty long time ago before like the recaps on sundays were like a thing like a, a you know like and now they're like our you know our best ones and he was like it re- like we didn't have podcast agendas you know it was just kind of a free-for-all of like let basically like tc let's go down the leaderboard and see what happens and that was tough like randy raised his hands like i don't do well with that like it, it sounds counterintuitive but like the more we structure the conversation and just like with outline stuff of like hey if you come to the pod and you got something you, you're burning on like put it in the agenda have somebody set you up it's almost like you create the, uh, you know, the rules of the game, right? Like this is these, this is, but within that, like, you know, the ball's going to flow around the court. Like there's still a ton of, so it almost feels more spontaneous when there's just a little bit of a framework involved. And I think that that idea has translated to the rest of the business. Cause I, well, I, I was at Google before jumping in February of 2019. So it got, it'll be four years, which is crazy to think about, but I got, I used to get so frustrated with the, you know, Google's become like IBM, like every year it becomes more and more just very structured, very like the system you just, you to be, to do well there. I felt like you have to be good at like the systems and like also like getting your name assigned. It's not so much doing good work. It's like, did you get credit for good work? Right. And so there's just a lot of like things you got to do and but there were some things I picked up there that I, I thought would be, I was found annoying. Like no one leaves a meeting over there without taking notes. There has to be a note taker. It's a, like a cardinal sin. If like the meeting won't start until somebody's like, I'm, I got the notes and they have to be sent out in a recap email. And I always thought that was like, kind of like I used to roll my eyes at that. And when I came on with NLU and, you know, we started making like our, you know, weekly call, like a like a, we have to have it we have to you know do this it's like there has to be notes because now i'm like oh my god like when you when it starts to become your own business now i see it like the the managers and the powers that be over there are like you know there's just so much stuff going on like if someone doesn't write it down like we can't we can't execute we can't hold anybody accountable we can't go back and and review it and so you know has that led to us having like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Google Docs and hundreds of pages within those Google Docs. Yeah. Could we probably improve that? That's one of those things of like, man, that's probably something we should think about. But if you, if you zoom out and you go back three years, we didn't have any of that stuff. Yeah. So some type of record is better than no record. And it's, and I will also argue people don't use the control find button enough. Uh, in, in their day-to-day life. I get a lot out of those 100-page Google Docs, but just with that Control-F button. So, um, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that, but 
this is this is you know you got me in the booth you got me talking no i think it's good i think it would surprise people to hear the actual structure of not only you know not getting too deep into the business wise but basically like the day-to-day the weekly the monthly and really like quarterly scheduling because a lot of time and emphasis is put on it just like we were saying right now you're you're working deals we're trying to get everything set up for you know we have a lot of of enduring relationships that are already turned on for 2023 but we also have new ones that need to get uh you know refreshed and re-signed for the following year all of that is possible based off of yeah the work that we're doing the content that we put out but ultimately the scheduling and the planning that's behind it you know there's a reason why tourist sauce which we're coming off of an excellent premiere last night if you haven't watched that, please get on the YouTube page and, and go watch episode one in Stockholm of this tour saw season. But there's a reason why it all comes out when it does is because it's something fresh. It's something that is the newest, you know, creation from our production studio. But ultimately, it's giving businesses, organizations, partners that are out there a fresh look at where we currently are at content wise. Yes, it's it's. You know, we invest a lot of energy and a lot of money into the series. And so it's uh, it's fun to see it when it comes to life. Uh, and I also think, you know, Tour Sauce is also a product of just like the, the other piece of not so much notes, but, and TC is great about this, is the calendar. <clears throat> the last few years we've gotten ahead of just like planning out the calendar. Because the problem with us is we're, we're a small team. Like we have, like it's kind of a lot of saying no to things we probably want to do. But it's that would just, be very easy to be like, yeah, that's cool. Let's go do it. Like people ask me, like, what's your biggest risk or, you know, what are you worried about? It's always it's burnout, man. Yep. It's just that, like, we stop getting along. We, you know, because it's not it's technically, yeah, we run like a, people are like, oh, what, what do you do? It's like I run a golf content company. It's not really a media company, though. It's more like in some ways, like DJ said this before, it kind of operates like a band in some ways. It's like Tour Sauce is kind of an album. And there's a lot that goes into it. And then, you know, but the, what what happens like with, with a content company, it's it's a little bit more like, oh, you can just plug somebody else in. With us, it's a little bit more like, well, what if the drummer leaves? That, that would, you know, that would kind of stink, you know. So uh, <laughs> it's going to sound a little different. Um, so you don't, you know, I just really worry about burnout. So you got to say, you have to say no to things you, you do want to do. How difficult of a lesson has that been to learn? The ability to say no. I think we've done a really good job of it the last two years. 2020 was, I think 2020 was, there was a blessing in COVID for us, which was, I remember if I go back, we were going to do like 12 events, you know, and plan them all ourselves. And, and, you know, we ended up doing like six and was like, dang, that was a lot. Right. And, and we wanted to do six because we've been stuck in the house for three months, but COVID kind of, and we were also on top of that, we were going to go to like four pro events and do videos. And like, we, we just kind of had this, um, I don't know, attitude of like our business was based around like traveling to places and documenting it, whether it's a pro golf tournament or an event or whatever. And that is not a very sustainable lifestyle. I think if it's, it might be for like one person, like when you look at the influencer life, right? Like the, the nomad life. Yep. Great. But we got five of us. We're all getting, listen, we're not that young. We got families, we got people at home and 
I think COVID kind of made it obvious that like, yo, we can, you know, we can do a lot at home and we can prioritize and be thoughtful about like where we go. And then also the last couple of years, I think we, we have room to improve this, but we've gotten better at dividing and conquering. Cause there is a little bit like, there's a little bit of a FOMO of like, man, you know, like I kind of want to go, I want to go to Korea. Right. But it's like, you know what? this is a bad time for me to go to Korea, right? Both personally and for the business. So it's like raising your hand and being like, Hey, that's not, you know, that's not, uh, that's not my trip. Right. So, and then understanding like this stuff comes back around, right? Like there's, there's going to be another fun one coming up. So like, don't, don't hit the, the grumpy woe is me button, right? Like (laughs) take advantage of the time at home, which I've, I've gotten a lot better at that attitude because the, the, thing I, I hated years, like not last year, but like a couple years back was we, you, when you go on an epic bucket list trip and you're fried and you have a bad attitude, there may, there may not be anything worse, like anything more regrettable than that personally. And it just looks fucking awful. Like to the outside, Oh, woe is you, man. You're traveling the world to play golf and you're, and you're being, you know, mopey hang doggy. Like that's not, so you got to kind of, you got to pace yourself. And I think we're, we're, we're getting better at that, but all of these things too. And this is sometimes I have to like, I feel like stress this with some others. I I've almost come to like an acceptance of like these things. You never, you never win that war with these. Like, these are like constant, they, they ebb and flow, you know, like the, the burnout, the, like the, the communication stuff. Like we, we get in bad habits where we like, we're taking whack-ass notes on calls and it's like all right we gotta we gotta flip it back on you know what I mean like I one thing for me is like god I need to Asana awesome platform I I think it's so effective I just can't get myself in the habit of using it you know and I get like I, I need to do it and I just every like three or six months I'm like damn it I'm not like I'm not using Asana again right and it's like that would help the team if I would do that better so it's just a constant, uh, just a little bit better. That's what we're trying to do. But it never goes away. You never, like, win the, oh, my God, we, we're, we're communicating. Like, it, we, we fixed it. We fixed the glitch. It's over. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, it's amazing. You, I think for a long, long time, you work everything, like, at the, at the micro level. And it's very, very hard to pop out and look at things on the macro side. And you talked a little bit about growth of the business, but really, you know, getting into the nuts and bolts of scheduling things. That's really where like that pays off. A project manager software like Asana is great, but also when you only have like one or two people working in that side of it, it's very easy to be like, well, we're in sync. Like you and I are in yeah. sync. Like we'll talk about it at a weekly call and like we'll we'll be good good to go, right? And then all of a sudden, a couple months later, there's something else going on, whether it's from video or podcast or anything that starts asking all these questions and you're like, oh shit, man, I know this. And they're like, well, what's the verbiage of it? What's it say in the contract? I'm like, well, let me, let me go find this real quick. Let me start digging through my email or a thousand page note stocks and, and using control F just like you said, but you're right. It can always get better. But if you weren't reflecting on those things like that, you would never learn. You would never improve. And we would never get to the, you know, the spot in the future that we want to be. The issue is, is that 
the way that our calendar works, there's never really like a time off ever. Yeah. You might say the winter slows down. It does, but video production ramps up just because, you know, we have tourist sauce in the Edda Bay now. We're also filling it up with film rooms for next year that'll come out. It's just this never ending circle. So learning to take that pause to work on yourself and work inside the business not on the business, but inside the business to make sure that you're cleaning stuff up is very, very difficult to do. And something that everybody learns over time, most of the time the hard way, but that in life, that's usually how it goes. A lot of good stuff there. But one that st- sticks out to me is seeing, you, you've heard, I've heard people say it a million times, or you go work at a big company, you're like, how did this all get glued together so janky? And I'm like, man, now I see how it happens you're small and then you start growing and the small problems just get bigger and bigger. And like you start just duct taping stuff together instead of like getting out in front of it and trying to like, you know, not like almost like there's a point where you can still redo like how you do things and almost restart it. And then I almost feel like then some things reach exit velocity. It's like, all right, well that's just how we're, that's just how we're working. (laughs) Right. And so I don't think we've really reached that point with anything because we're still only like, eight people but that day is approaching so it's like i i i I live in i don't want to say fear of that but like it's funny of like okay it still it motivates me to you know try to fix problems the right way instead of just finding a short-term solution and the other piece of it is what she said about like we don't have an off season it's we don't have like a, a group off season, if that makes sense. It's almost like everybody has a different part of the calendar where they're, they get like a little bit of a break. I think for me, the last four years, it's almost like, and it's kind of funny. It's like incentive for me to get deals done of like, let's get, I'm trying to get everything done before Thanksgiving. Like last year went really well. And it's like, then December's like, hell yeah, man. December and January are great. Uh, but that doesn't always happen. So then it, then it then it's back to the software sales days of like, you know, end of the quarter, can we get, you know, what are we, you know, Christmas time, you're trying to trying to get a decision maker on the phone, uh, which is not a lifestyle that I want to uh to live anymore. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it's like it's, it, but it's still motivation for me of like I knew this year like cool. That's why like I'm not going to Korea because like the more work I do in October, September, October, the better November and December are going to be and I would rather have those be like I'd rather not be stressed out about that stuff. Um, and then for me, you know, the, the, the partnership stuff, it slows down, like, because everybody's helping to, like, deliver on stuff throughout the year. So it's not like I'm, you know, putting out a bunch of fires. Um, and we've gotten better at, like, knowing what works for people and what, you know, I think we're very, like, honest and we're trying to over-deliver. The merch stuff, though, like, never ends. So I'm so thrilled that we have both a we're not an apparel company and we're also not like an agency like being one or the other is stressful like the merch stuff's stressful because every year in january you start from this at the bottom of the mountain all over again and whereas like an agency or somebody that does annual deals is like oh you know the first three months of the year is just you're golden you're feeling great like you're locked in and it just gets progressively more stressful. Whereas, like, I feel like the merch stuff gets progressively less stressful because you're like, oh, man, we're doing, you know, we're ahead. We're, we're great. Um, I guess that, you know, if you have numbers you have to hit, that's going to feel a little different. But um, the problem with the merch stuff is it's just, like, 
it, it becomes like this runaway snowball or like you're maybe like a victim of your own success where like, oh my God, we sold like, we sold out of hoodies in a day. And it's like, I spent hours putting that order together and it's very fulfilling. Like, I'm glad people want them. That's awesome. But like, that means that I have to, you know, disappoint people and then I have to do a whole nother order. Right. So that's where it's like, yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta get some help. So Shout out to Casey because that's been I, I, I again zooming out. I cannot believe we ran the merch operation without Casey. Like <laughs> even as soon as like last December. Like what the hell? Like how is that possible? Because it's just like it's very detail oriented. It's very like never ending, you know. And we're finally getting off of that calendar of like you know Tron and and Ben and I used to be like. In July, we're like, oh, shit, or August. Oh, yeah, we got to get some stuff in for Christmas, you know? It's like, dude, everything's coming in like a day before Black Friday. That's not how you want to be living. Whereas now we're, like, getting on to a six-month calendar. Like, we're talking to Casey about, like, the spring. It's like, okay, this is better. This is cool. I like this. This is That makes the brainstorming on, like, designs and stuff, that actually makes it fun. Whereas, like, when you're brainstorming designs and you have to get them in the next day, it's like, yeah. Whatever that that one works like just just you know ship it, uh, and then that's also when you get rain jackets that are sized for uh, <laughs> a little off, you know, and stuff like that, which didn't happen on this batch of rain jackets, but happened on the batch of rain jackets in like 2017. No, this you batch get like an email chain of like 56 long on like back and forths on minute details, and you, you almost get just worn down. You're like just just do it man just <laughs> just go ahead and put the order in and then you just guess what you don't get what you want so obviously sizing was off but what did they think that you were saying numbers wise so in i i think as i understand it uh they they we made them overseas in china i think china has some different size large is doesn't mean the same thing it's almost like shoe sizes correct or you know, European shoe size is not the same as an American one. I think it's the same in apparel. And uh, I think they went with um, a large in Chinese and not a large in, in U.S., which is a different, a smaller size. So that's, that was that, it was that, or we just didn't. The, the other thing is, like, when you, when you make stuff from scratch, like, you got to tell them, like, that means you're making it from scratch. It's like, you got to design the building. You got to, you can't just say, like, Large only exists as a concept that somebody else has defined, right? Like they'll they'll make you a large. You just tell them what what large means, right? So it, it it was a lesson. This was back in 2016, like a lesson in like, okay, this is. It was a great lesson because it never really happened again. But um, I mean, that's kind of how the the business has evolved over time. I think we've done a really good job of making mistakes and not making the same one very often. That goes to the burnout stuff we talked about earlier. It goes to like partners of like, okay, we really, this is sucking the life out of us. This part of this deal, like we need to tell them that about next year. Like we're not going to do that anymore. Right. And we're going to, we'll do these other things. And we think you, these would be better because a lot of times, like if we're doing the stuff that we're excited about, like that's when it's effective. So you should trust us on that. And most of the time that's, that's what happens. So. And honestly, incredible partners that are out there that, realize it as honest as you can be with them like they'll listen and realize that that's the best bet for them 
I, it's funny I've noticed on the like when you when we first when I first started doing this, you almost think that there's some playbook or something or like let, let's just say like how to work with a, a brand sponsor, right? Like oh they're gonna want certain things or and I, what I've come to learn is like you you just have to be proactive and in a lot of cases a lot of people will come to you with an RFP or something and that's not really where where, where we live. It's more like hey. We really like what you guys do. We would like to we'd like to find a way to work with you. And if you just like lay out a plan, like and you and straight up like make it up. Like I know that sounds like I don't know, callous, but it's like no, like this is what I this is what I propose. Like the minute I've I found the minute I put things on paper and outline them in a clear way like with bullet points, most of the time people say, "Yeah, that sounds great." It's like you basically they they kind of want someone to do the work for them and come up with the idea and it's like in some ways, that can be exhausting, but in some ways, it also allows you to do what you want to do. It's like just be be proactive and like put something, and then you you tell me like say no, yes or no. But like this is what we want to do, and so make make a good case back to me of like why we shouldn't do that. And usually, that's also a way for us to realize like, eh, this might be high maintenance. Like this, the you know that's when the alarm bells, the gut feelings of like I don't know if like you know. And, you know, you got to say no. You got to say no to the money. You got to say no to everything. But, like, I, I we have avoided a lot of landmines by proactively, like, outlining here's what we want to do. And then, uh, and then so, you know, sometimes we're wrong, and we didn't like doing what we thought we would like doing. And so then it's like, okay, how do we adjust? How do we, like, let's not do that anymore. So um, it's like a giant experiment. It's great. I love it. How do you, how do you I guess, manage growth? Not just for the business, but your personal stature, your growth in your personal life, marriage, everything. I mean, it's a lot, a lot going on and, it, and you have a lot of forks in the fire and you can get lost in it because I think at some point in times you can focus on one and kind of ignore the other. So how do you get through it all? How do I manage growth? That's a, uh, that's a heavy a heavy heavy topic i would say that, that's why that's why here in the booth neil there's no easy questions that's why, that's why i'm on downrange man um i well i'd start i'm i know myself pretty well and one thing i know is i'm i'm goal oriented even even though sometimes i don't even like that that's just how i operate i i find you know i get fulfillment and a, a kick out of accomplishing goals where'd that come from um uh Probably sports, scoreboards. I'm competitive in that way, and I'm hard on myself. So I think that's probably a product of just being, you know, I like, I, I do, I, I find myself to be like, a, I like to achieve things. And, and not, some of it is probably for like the the medal, the adoration, whatever, but some of it's just like personally, like I get, you know, get a kick out of it, like makes me happy. Um and that would be like the, the you know, Rainer climb is a good example of that. Like, <clears throat> that was just like, yeah, that sounds good. Like, you know what? I, I would like to climb a mountain. The boxing thing, same thing. Like, that's, I, I, I like it when I challenge myself. I don't like it when I don't hit those challenges. But I think it served me well in life to do that. Like, even going to Columbia and playing football, like, I was so, like, I did not, like, I thought I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the big city. This is going to be awesome. Like, 
dude, that was like not a good fit for me, like on paper, like looking back. Now I'm glad I did it. I feel like my college career got better every year, whereas I feel like a lot of people probably it tails off where they get sick of the small town or sick of the partying. And mine almost like was really shitty freshman year and sophomore year. And then it got better. And then by senior year, like, damn, this is great. Like, because it felt like I achieved something, like I challenged myself. So there's a trade off there, right? Like, you know, when you try to challenge yourself too much, you, you get overwhelmed, you stress yourself out, you, you fail. So I feel like I'm pretty comfortable with failure too. Like I failed a lot on camera for NLU lost a lot of football games, missed a lot of tackles. So I guess I'm, uh, you know, to borrow a, a, a Theodore Roosevelt close, I, I don't mind being in the arena, you know, and I, I would say that, and I'm definitely not like a world beater. So like I've, I've had a lot of, uh, not, not so much embarrassing, but like, just like, damn dude, like you're just overmatched. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? But you kind of just kind of, yeah, keep it up. And some, some of it hits and it's like, he puts you in a better spot than you were in. So I think the goals help me. And as a, a part of that, I probably project that onto the rest of the business more so than, you know, I don't know if everybody's as goal oriented as I am. Um, the growth question is interesting for us though, because like I said, we, we don't have any investors, right? Like we, uh, it's, a, everything's been bootstrapped and it's a, you know, kind of a, I joke around. It's like, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a real business. Like you, you, you make more than you spend is it's, it's pretty simple concept that I, I don't know how many people are doing that in the, in a lot of different industries these days. And you could argue like when interest rates were at zero, maybe we should have been taking out some loans, you know, like I, I, I you could argue that's the wrong strategy. Uh, but what it does give us and what I really love about it is it, it simplifies the business of like, we get to do what we want to do as long as we make more money than we spend, right? Nobody else sets our targets for us. And I have a lot of scar tissue from my days in San Francisco at two sh small companies, startups that I worked at. One was called GigaOM and one was called Radius of when you raise this venture money or any money from other people, they as assign you a valuation and they have to get, to get their money's worth, they need you to grow at 4X or at 10X. And so the projections become... They, they, they almost, everybody, it's this like collective hallucination in some ways of like, yo, yeah, definitely we're going to go from 6 million in revenue to 20 million. Like this next year is going to be the year. And it's like, yo, that's not how it, like, it's not possible. Or if it is possible, people on the sales team like me are going to do it by any means possible. And it's going to fuck the business up. Yep. And that's exactly what happened at both of those places. And I watched it happen. And I remember as a 24 year old or 25 year old having the gut feeling about some things. I'll be like, this, is, this doesn't feel like this doesn't feel like how a business should run. Like this, this feels unsustainable. It was just like weird, feel, but I'm like, Oh, I guess, you know, they're smarter than me. Like that's, I guess this is how it works. And then all of a sudden, like, guess what? This business ceases operations because it's like, that's that can only go on for so long. So you're basically taking the gamble of like we're gonna we're gonna outrun the bear, right? But I, I feel like most of the time the bear catches people, and and I, I guess the upside of that is so great that that's why so many people try to do it. But for me, with NLU, I just get a lot of peace of mind knowing we set targets for ourselves. But the 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 only goal, like if we don't hit our merch target this year, I'll be disappointed because I'm goal oriented, but I'm not 
we are not going to lose our shirt. We're, no one's going to lose their job. Like, we're, we're good. And we have a pretty balanced, like, ability to, like, you know, this amount of revenue comes from merch. This comes from partnerships. This comes from Nest, you know, dues. This comes, like, events and all that stuff. Like, there's a, there's a, a bit of a, a diversification there where I noticed it with those other businesses of, like, when, when you got to hit numbers, that, that shit gets ignored, like the diversification doesn't exist. You're going to sell webinars, baby. Yep. Like that's all like, we're, like all doing actual research. No, we can't do that anymore. We're just going to do paid marketing stuff. Right. Cause Dude, that's, what's going to pay the bills. And I crazy think then too, you see it so much in the golf space of people just bringing on crazy partners just to, they got to get a video out to appease them just to get that money in the bank. Or you see them just making all the ad mules, crazy, There's a whole crazy industry. buying bots, you just incubating it. ad mules. Just like, let's, let's make this video because we have to have a literally a vehicle for this, for this logo. Yeah. And I, I think that, and that's, it is lucrative, right? Like you can do that. You can make a living like that, but I think it's also dangerous because then you're going to get, you're going to wake up and Hey, the economy's going to dip. And guess what? People might not want to spend on content or, you know, it's just like the, the marketing, you know, soup du jour changes of like what people want to, you know, what, what is, what is working? What is, so I, I think it, it, it's important to me that we like, we pursue, we diversify, which is great. We, and we focus on the things we want to make, which is awesome. And, and from a, a growth standpoint of like, I'm a firm believer and maybe this is naive of like, if you keep doing good stuff and you, and you, 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 you mean it, you actually think it's good and you're proud of it. Like tour sauce, like hopefully the money comes right. Like hopefully the, hopefully the, like we go to the YouTube page and it's just like, God, every other comment is like, cause I'm, you know, doing the comment competition. It's like, I can't believe you only have a hundred thousand followers. I can't believe it. It's like, yo, what? check it out. I can't cause all that shit's paid for. Right. Like I've been in, I've been in the kitchen at YouTube. I've seen the rats. Like it's all, <laughs> it's all fluff, man. And so like, I don't care about the, like, we don't make money on YouTube ads. Like those subscribers matter if, if you're, if, and, and like, you know what? It would be awesome to get to a million subscribers. I would love that. I would love for a million people to subscribe to the channel, but I also want it to be a million real people. And, and I, I tell you what, there's no shortcut on getting real followers. There's just, it, you just, you, we could probably do some things, more collaborations, more of this. And some of that's just like, we don't have time. We don't want to like it, That's, that goes back to like balancing it with burnout, right? Like I, I can only do so much and I would rather focus the time on like making cool shit that we're excited about than like trying to loop in somebody that's going to get us more attention. You know, so I'm, I'm hoping that 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 you do the you do the right the, the hard stuff right, and then you get you know you got to be got to keep your head up, look around, you know, make sure you're I guess opportunistic when you can be like, but it's it's I just find that there's no shortcut to it, um, and and then then I think also like you're not treating your audience like they're idiots. That's what I can't stand. It's like a lot of the stuff that I see. I'm just like I'm. I don't know. Like, I'm not stupid. Nobody's stupid, right? Like, they can almost feel if it's real or not. And I just sense that a lot of marketers talk about marketing in, like, a spreadsheet way. And it's like, man, that's not, like... Yeah, those are people that we're talking about. All that stuff. Those are proxies. Like, those, like they, they don't mean the same thing as, like, 
you know, like I remember being there's a a DJ and I have a conversation. We were looking at like a, a one of our golf videos versus someone else, and the other person had like five hundred thousand views and like three comments. And I think this was years ago. We had like sixty thousand views and like two hundred and fifty comments. And I was like, man, I don't know. Like, if we're talking business wise, like, who do you think's gonna buy a driver? Like, the the one of those five hundred views from you know Indonesia or like the guy that's commenting here. <laughs> like, I think it's I think it's this one, and I hope I can get the two hundred and fifty up to five hundred comments. But I also can't force people to to feel that way about the video, right? Like, that just comes from like that that takes a lot of time and effort over here. So. So that gets us back to like, maybe that's where it's like, man, you know, could we grow a little quicker to bring more people on to help us do this stuff better? Yes. But then that comes with its own, you know, guess what? Like it's, it's hard to keep the, the band when the band becomes an orchestra, then it gets harder to keep everybody on the same page. So I just don't think you can rush any part of this. So I try well, the way I to get back to your original question, the way I think about growth is in a, I have a snowball mentality. I think about it as, slow and steady right and if there's a way to you know level up or you know there there are opportunities and we've seen it with like where things jump in a big way but you can't I don't like to plan for that or I don't like to do anything to artificially enhance that or pull pull growth into this year like I would rather miss our number on like the merch side than try to ramp up Facebook ads and get a bunch of like one-time purchases, right? But like the metric I'm looking at on the merch side is like return customers are like, that number's up like 15, 20% this year, which blows me away because it's like, yo, that number was already really high for us. And now it's like, that makes me so happy and it makes me feel so secure in that like, yo, we're, we're continuing to put out stuff that people want to come back and buy again. So that's awesome. Yeah, a lot to unpack there for sure. I'm uh, listen. You, you you brought me in the booth. You, your job's to get me talking, huh? I think on the personal side, and not to to get you to go too deep into it, but all of this going on in uh, a new marriage, a move, you know, a move that you wanted to do, but ultimately for your partner, for her to to live her life and have the job that she wants to have. You know, and you still balancing all of this from back in the big city where, just like you said, once you get into it, it might take a little bit to get back into the rat race, but you're in it, man. Yeah, and I look at it as, you know what? I've been reading that book. I told you, Chris Voss, never yep. split the difference. I, I kind of push back on Chris. I'm a, I'm a pretty big believer in splitting the difference on, on a, a lot of things. And, like, <laughs> me moving to New York is one of those things where it's like, I, I would it be – my first choice at this period in my life to be living here in the city? Probably not, but I also... Part, part-time really living like in the, the city, op- just in case anybody out there is listening, you're, you're still a, definitely a Florida resident. Yes, definitely. For, for 2022, certainly. Of course. Um, ne- next year, like, we'll see. It just depends on the days, man. Uh, but what I... Like, I'm a pragmatic guy, so it's, it's expensive to live here. Uh, does it suit my job? No. Like, not a lot of golf in the city. Uh, a lot of golf, good golf around the city, but I, I really have tried. I think I've, I've been doing a great job of taking the op- optimistic view of it, of like, hey, you know what? Once you move after this, you probably never live here again. I mean, who knows? Maybe I will, maybe I won't, but like, I don't want to look back and be like, I had a 
bad attitude about that or I was being, you know, I, I was being stingy or whatever you want to call it. Like, just, yo, enjoy it. Like, th- th- you, you get to live in New York at an age when you can enjoy it. A little more money in your pocket. Like, I, my experience with New York was mainly college when you're underaged and you can't Underage, drink, underpaid, you know, and you under everything. Under, no money. Yep. And, like, it's a city built on money and alcohol. Like, what the hell am I going to do? That's why college was tough. And then the older you get, you know, you start to start to figure it out. And so I, I feel like this stretch in New York City is going to give me a different, and I hope a better view of, like, there's so much to offer here, right? And it, it, it you do have to pay for a lot of it and, and pay more, but it's like, like, let's, let's take advantage of it, right? Like, let's have a good attitude about it. And, um, and also there's probably some things that I, I, you know, I won't want to compromise with Carson on, you know, but like one of them is like, you know what, if I'm going to travel a lot and I would love for for you to be comfortable around your family when I'm not around, right? Like that's not something I'm going to, I'm not going to plant my flag on that, uh, on that hill. So I think from a growth standpoint, it's like, understanding like I had this big fear in college of like I was I never want to live in the tri-state area and commute into the city like it just felt like the most Willie Loman existence to me of like dude no like I don't want to take the path train and get on the subway and just like oh man like no thanks but then you you have to realize there's nuance to that of like well I've had a lot more experience in the tri-state area and there's some really, really nice parts of it. And guess what? I don't have to commute into the city. So it's not the same, it's not the same situation anymore. Right. Like I would still feel that way of like, man, I don't know if I want to like take the Metro North down to Google from Westchester. Like, I don't know if I would want to do that. But at this point it's like, I, if, as long as I don't fuck it up, maybe I can do NLU from right here in the, uh, in the new, the new office or, or, and, and there's some benefits to New York of like, I can fly direct to anywhere, right? Like that is a massive factor. It makes the travel part of our job a lot easier for me. So I think, um, being willing to like, you have these takes or these opinions or these things, your convic- convictions when you're younger, being able to reevaluate them and like, like, yo, you, you're probably wrong about that is I think something I'm getting better at and, and is helping me like that's, along the lines of like the growth thing, right? Or it's like, you know what? You don't have to love everything about the place you live, right? Like I, th- I think I've taken that lesson from you, Cody, of like where you set up shop is is temporary. Like you, you give you and Yara a ton of credit. It's just like, you know what, man? This chapter of our life is over. Uh, we're not like, what are we doing? Why are we, why are we trying to keep up with this like in this ultra competitive like Neat, you know, subculture basically yeah. like let's go to texas we've always said we wanted to it feels like a good time to do it let's go give it a try right and i think that's where uh i'm 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 all about that i like that attitude and that's kind of how i felt about new york like you know what fuck it let's go we'll, we'll go live in the city give it two years like because the pragmatic side of my brain is like oh but i'd like to buy a house i'd like to do this i'd like what if you know raising kids at the beach is super easy but it's like hey man you're not you're not there yet like let's let's do this first and then we'll figure that out yeah, I think that one of the most inspiring things that I have learned from you and gleaned from you and your relationship with your wife is you've never looked at things as a compromise. Everything has been an opportunity. And it's a very hard place to get to, especially when it might not align with everything that you want or envision in your life. 
It's very easy living where you lived at in Florida and being three minutes away from a golf course that you like to go play at and can go play every day. You had a comfortable life there with everything that you wanted or needed at your fingertips. And moving back to a big city, ultimately, you could have looked at it and said, well, I'm compromising this for her happiness. But it's not. You've grabbed the bull completely by the horns and said, I'm going to make the absolute most for this, not only for mine and our happiness, but for everything around me. And it's like in- incredible to see. The uh, I think that's exactly right. And it takes work to get there because it's, it's very easy to fall into like the woe is me or like, oh, I'm getting getting run over here you know like this is bullshit like not being listened to whatever but I think it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about uh, I've kind of approached this as like a challenge all right let's see if you can enjoy it let's see if you can make it work like you know in 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 New York because that it's like you you know the other thing with Florida is like you can get you can kind of get into the autopilot life You know, it's just fucking chilling. Oh, yeah. It's great. And then all of a sudden. Got my wife and three kids and my SUV in our private school and let's go. And not saying anything negative about that. No, nothing negative about it. But like maybe that I'm not ready to like do it that way, you know? So it kind of, I don't know. It it feels like a, a fun little, it could be a fun detour. It could be just a whole new path. Like we'll see what happens. So. But I'm excited about it. I think it's just been a lot. I mean, I got married in March. We've had a, you know, busy year. A lot of, lot of, you know, a lot of changes to the business. A lot of growth. I, honestly, I would factor in like just live golf in general has kind of like thrown us all upside down, right? Like it's led to a ton of growth for us, but it's also just like it's led to a lot of like animosity, you know, like yeah. online, which is like something that we've dealt with but like probably not at the scale i think so that that's something you just got to learn to live with They're like hey listen everybody's not going to like you or agree with you and i'm i'm pretty comfortable with that um but it can be exhausting and and you know and growth in general can be exhausting and which again is why i think i like the snowball mentality of like when when shit comes at you really fast like that can be you see it with like people that get famous young or whatever like I think I think it's benefited all of us at NLU that like our growth has happened like after we had real jobs and were like probably unhappy in those jobs or just a little bit like if that happens when I'm 22 or 23 like I think that's bad. I think I don't know how to handle it. I'm you know I I don't think I would um I don't think I'd do as well. I think the experience of having the success, if you want to call it success, the growth, whatever, being able to do it full time coming at age 30 instead of age 25 is such a blessing. Um, so that's, you know, but all that stuff combined with then me moving plus the Rainier, like I, I bit off a lot this year. So it's been a lot of, uh, uh, it's been a lot of like head down, knock, knocking, knocking things down. I wouldn't say I've been as, uh, <clears throat> reflective as I, as I would like this year, as I've been in, in years past. There's still a couple months left in the year. You'll get there. There, That's exactly right. I got some, that's why we got to get these deals done, man. <laughs> I, can, I got some time to reflect. <laughs> I, that's why I should, I should tell the partners, uh, come on, guys. 
We, Come on. We need Does our need some time to, he needs to go on a retreat. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about this before in the past. And, and I think one of the biggest things that helps you and that always shocks me is that, you know, with growth and dealing with it, everybody has incredible mentors in their lives. And I know that you have business mentors that you rely on. Your uncles, other people that you've worked with at startups or were friends with you at Google. But ultimately, I think as your growth professionally and personally happens, the fact that your friendship group, both from high school, but really your college friends and then the group that you moved to San Francisco with are all going through that together. And you still maintain such tight bonds as they're meeting these, you know, benchmarks professionally and personally, you guys are all doing this together. And I'm always amazed that you can keep track of so many close friends that you have in your life because there's no way that I would be able to do that. And I don't know if that's because of a necessity thing based off how you got through, you know, that hard first year at Columbia or the hard first year out in San Francisco of, of startup life, but it truly is. It's the closest thing that reminds me of your band of brothers. You guys are all in this together. You're, you're each motivating and charging each other for your own personal successes. And it's like incredible to see. Well, I appreciate that. And it's, it, it's interesting to me that you feel that way because I feel like if I have a regret from like this year and I've been better at it in years past, but just since I've been doing NLU, I feel like I am not good at keeping up with my friends, like one-on-one. I think my college buddies, you know, Ross, Evan, Jerry, Kurt, like Nico, we keep in touch. It's a lot of because we played on a horrible football team by choice. Like there's no scholarships. (laughs) Like, you know, that's a bit like, you know, volunteering to – it's just, you know, it sucked. But like we – like love each other and we had a lot of we got a lot of bonds from that right yeah and it's it's incredible incredible what you uh you learn and and this the friendships and strengths that form when you're in the shit together that's that's like one of the most military things you've ever said yeah and the 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 i shout out to like apple like group chats like that's what keeps me up to date with those guys but i realized when we climbed rainer it's like man i haven't like dug in enough with these guys like the when I see them all in person now it's at weddings and bachelor parties and usually we're just getting you know we're getting crunk (laughs) and so it was really nice to have like three or four days of like non-alcohol fueled like deep convos what like I didn't you know think yeah you're right like everybody's like moving and grooving and doing well but like like under the surface is like there's mostly good stuff going on that you're like man I didn't know that that's awesome so like I came away from that, like how can I make do better at that? Or like with my high school buddies, like Jeff and Paul, I'm always thinking about like, man, what are they up to? But I don't, I'll I'll call them, you know, let me call them later. It's like, God, I should, I just, and I, I used to be a lot better at that. I think there's a little bit of like a, especially this year, just like survival mode of like, yo, I just got, I, it's been like for nine months, like I just got to get this done and then I'll have a time but then what I find is like once I get it done, I'm like, man, all I want to do is just like throw a podcast on or some music and like go for a walk. You know, like I I spend a lot of time on podcasts like like this talking or on 
calls. So I, I need to like be, I get a, a, a lot of energy from being alone. Shockingly, probably doesn't sound like it, but uh, I like to just, I, I like to be alone. So that's good. Um, but I think you're right about like the mentor factor of my friends. Like I feel lucky that I'm surrounded by people that I like aspire to live my life. Like, you know, like Ross, my buddy Ross is a perfect example of just like, you know, the guy is like the best athlete I know. He just does, he does every, he does it all the right way. Almost the way I'm trying to like do it with like NLU from a business sense. It's just like, dude, like, you know, you can bring it like Ross once or twice, you know, but it's just like, can you do it every day? And that's, it's just the consistency blows me away with just the way he like takes care of himself, the way, you know, he's just like the way he keeps up with me, the way he keeps up with all of our friends, you know, he's a glue guy. Right. And also a high achiever. And then like Evan, it's just like nothing but, but just good energy. Right. And like, he's also just relentless. Like he's never going away. Uncle Mill, you know, he's going to be in your freaking kitchen all the time. And you know, he's going to, he's going to bully you into signing up to climb a mountain because we're all going to get to hang out together. And you need that. You need those friends that are just like, I'm going to force you to do this because I know you're going to be glad you did it afterwards. And so it's nice to have those people, uh, in your life. Right. And it just kind of gets the, you know, gets the energy, uh, it gets every, but put, it's just good. gets just good for everybody. And then it's funny, the business stuff, I don't have enough mentors. <laughs> you think so? I've got great partners. Uh, my uncle Pete, uh, my dad, I talk a lot to them, but I don't feel like, and, and you know, I, I do a lot of reading. I, I try, but I have not, I would say that I have not cultivated a lot of, I, I think I learned by experience in a lot of ways, I've never been attracted to no knock on business school, but I've always found that like, man, that's just not for me. Right. Because I learn by doing and I, 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 I probably should, you know, be a student more. Uh, I, I think I, I, I've thought about a lot about this the last three to six months. Um, but I'm just like, man, you know what? It's another one of those things like, let me just get through this and we'll think about it, you know, and we'll figure it out. And I've, and I've taken some steps to like, acquiring some mentors but i feel very confident in my partners and in you and like i feel like i i rely on the team a lot um i don't know and then you like i i'm straight up like i find something very motivating for me you might find this funny is i live in fear of being the uh west point captain fresh off fresh out of with the sword coming in like the band of brothers scene when they're in the Netherlands and, and the homie sure. comes in fresh off the boat and, you know, major winners is like, whatever, dude. Like, and I'm just like constantly like, okay, Sarge, like, I, you know, I, I'm just, I don't want to be that guy uh, as like the <laughs> leader, you know, like technically because I was, you know, because I did this or like I was here first. It's like, I don't look at it that way. I'm like, man, I need you to tell me if I'm fucking up. I need you to tell me what you think. Uh, so I tried to, I don't know, maybe leverage you and, and Tron and Solly and Randy and everybody. I feel like I have a lot to learn from everybody that's, that's, that has to be around me. So it's hard for me to then go outside the business and, like, cultivate somebody. And we, and we you know, we talked about, like, oh, should we be bringing people in? And I just don't, I don't believe, I think there's a lot people could teach us, but I don't believe that they're, like, I don't want somebody else's playbook. Exactly. 
I think on like, hey, this is how we built X. I don't want to be X. I want to be NLU, right? So I, I that's the most concerning thing when, attitude, when you said I, d- I don't. I feel like I don't have enough because it's not about the numbers of them. What I think of is, and you know, I think of uh, your uncle Pete. I think of your father-in-law and people who are masters at their craft and their business does not line up at all with theoretically what no laying up does, but they are incredible, you know, leaders and masters of processes. And they have gotten to the point in their professional career that they understand processes in the most minute details that it's easily transferable over to what, your businesses. The other thing that I really, you know, it's kind of funny to think of. And, and every time I talk to Yari about this, I've been around for four or five moments now since working with no laying up. One of them, including a dinner that I never expect in my life that I would ever say this is sitting around with somebody like Jim Nance who truly is a master at his craft, has been in the sports broadcast business his entire career and has seen ebbs and flows on sports media, broadcast, you name it, everything, not just golf, of course, football, everything else that he does. And for him to say, guys, I follow, I watch, this has impressed me. This is what I see. This is what I know based off my experience. Years and years and years of doing this. What's going to come down? This is where I think you could pivot to. But overall, this is what you guys are doing good. And this is what I think you can improve on. And having somebody like that take the time and say that is like, wow. What? what? And, and I, I agree with you. It's like 1,000%. It's like I want to do. I, I think I have a fear too, though, with that situation of like when I love it when that comes together spontaneously right I'm a I'm a sponge for that but where I have a fear is like I don't want to waste someone's time I don't want to waste that bullet for sure my my attitude is like I don't want to reach out to there's a I have a list I have like five names on it of like I would love to reach out to these people but I don't want to do it too soon to where they're going to say like you should do x y and z and I don't want to come back three minutes three months later and I didn't do them. Say, what, well, like, what do we do now? And they're like, well, I told you what to do and you didn't do it. I told you what to do because I have people reach out to me and they're like, I want to start a merch business. What should I do? And I guess what I send them. I send them, you, the, here's what you do. Here's, here are the bullet points. And I would say nine out of 10 of them never do anything with it. Well, of right? course. And dude, so then it's nobody, like, it, it, people have an issue with the hard work, the boring work. I know. And I, don't want, want, and I don't want to have any, like, I have no naive attitude about like I know that what you're asking for is work when you go and talk to those people right should that scare me away from doing it no it shouldn't but I just feel like I'm underwater a little bit so I'm like (laughs) again in my head next month man next month we're gonna get that next month like the calendar opens up and it's like "Ah, maybe I need to fucking find time to do it now so yeah it's uh it's an incredible life that we live I would say that you know, you said some very kind words, not only about me, but definitely about your partners and the business that you guys have built. Very fortunate to be a small little pawn in it now. And and hopefully, I and I know this, but things that I bring to the table are 
additive to him because I know that they are. You guys tell me that enough. And I think that's kind of the other thing is your uh, ability to lead. And I don't know what role or where you picked up your leadership tendencies or philosophies from, but you are the, the master at feedback. And I appreciate that as somebody who is in business with you. And I think it's very difficult for people to, to get to that point. And feedback, most importantly, in which a good leader does is, is both positive and negative. I think it's very easy to get on people's asses when things are going wrong, but they also forget that, you know, things are going, going good and, and people need to know that. And from you, I, I definitely appreciate that. Well, good. I'm happy to hear that. So it sounds like I'm not the West Point guy. No, you're not the West Point guy. <laughs> you know, I know you don't want to talk shit about Well, West Point. you would have gone to, to the Navy I'm Academy anyway. You, you would have been a good fucking Marine Corps officer. So you're, you're going down That's the right. What, so what's the Marine Corps? So I guess the Marines come out of the Naval Academy. Yeah, yeah. well, theoretically, you can go to any service academy, but most, most Marine Corps officers that go to a That's service right, I'm academy. That's right, Yeah, we'll go to the Navy Academy. Hoorah, baby. That, that is you. Or is it hoorah or hooah? Uh, hoorah. So there's an R. Yes. And if you say it like hua, that would be an yeah. army term. Hua. Uh, originally Hua-hua. developed uh, from the, the 75th Ranger Regiment and then bastardized everywhere. To the point when I got to Ranger Regiment and was a young Ranger, I was told explicitly after watching Black Hawk Down way too many times, <laughs> which they say hua like to every response. Hua can mean yes, no, maybe, Roger, check, you know, mm-hmm. moving out can move and mean a million different things. But I was told, don't ever fucking say that here. And I was like, yep, Roger, we'll never say it again. Bummer. Hate, hate when that happens. Yeah. Hate, when, hate when everybody ruins the joke. I know. Not quite what I expected, but I get it. I get it at the end. Well, I got, how about that? We just let people into one of our one-on-one meetings, Cody. I know. Look at it. It's good stuff. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. We I, I got to do it again where I get to interview you. You know, I, I you know, I, I love getting you telling stories. Absolutely. Anytime you want. Maybe I'll have you on for one of the Q&A sections. I think that's, oh, that's probably. God, I would love that. Yep. I truly mean this. Like that was my and I know it's tough. It's like that was my favorite downrange. Not my favorite, but one of my favorites. I like the CIA author guy, too. Yeah, that was a great episode. Do you know the hard um, part? I, I know you th- know this, but like. I get so pumped for Q&As, and I honestly, I, I've published one of them so far. I, I probably recorded like three or four of them, but it's so awkward sitting in this room talking to yourself and being like, dude, oh, I, I probably sound I like I felt it. that. I was, I was it, listening to it, and I loved it, but it felt, you know, you had to write your answers out, right? Yeah. Of like, it, and you don't have any, anybody to, to help you, right? But sometimes it's like, it's such a, I, more time with, with Cody, the most interesting man at NLU. If the <laughs> Q, if you need my help co-hosting Q and A's once a month, sign me up, man. Because I found all the questions interesting too. And then it, it, what it ended up happening for me was I'm listening to it, and I had like three more questions on top of the question that was asked. <laughs> that that would be good follow up. Yeah, right. Like that. It'd be like that's the main question from the audience, and then like. Well, what about this, this, and this, which you wouldn't think of because you're so focused on answering the question. Yep. And time and everything else. The podcast world's weird. Surprisingly, I mean, I've been doing this for like, it's almost been like two years now at NLU, which is nuts. And I think the first thing that you guys ever tasked me with was the Crash Course podcast. 
And I remember being like, oh, cool, man. Like, so how do I do a podcast? And sitting there and like, well, I guess I'm just going to go to Google and YouTube and figure this shit out. And now to where we're that's at. exactly and I'm like, what you're going to do. Of course. That's how I've learned everything. It's been awesome. That's how I learned everything. Yeah. What I will always say to you. Hell yeah. Is I've ne- we, I don't think we've ever asked you, Ben, or Casey to do anything that we have not done. I, that's like a North Star for me. I'm like, well, I, you know, that's how I learned. Yeah. Right? Like, you got to get thrown into the deep end a little bit. For sure. Like, to include. The whole thing is like, check it out. I don't know what I'm doing. So how the fuck am I going to teach you? I know. To include a couple, uh, I thought there was a... <laughs> A couple of random tests that were thrown in there. I'm like, wait a second. Are they trying to check me on some shit here? Is this like no, a right of pack- passage? But That's not how we operate. I know. It's, it's more like, uh, I think there are some things where you, I forget I told you to do that, and then you're still doing it. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I forgot I told him to do that. We didn't have to do that anymore, you know? It's a little bit like the, uh, the Japanese guys in World War II that were on the islands. Yes. Like twenty years later, yeah. Like, Yo, guys, you don't have. It's all good, dude. Like, I was never relieved nobody, of my. Post. Nobody told me. To, yeah, nobody told me to to put my gun down. Uh, what a so what a that's, world. That's that's you know. Listen, I, we're trying to get rid of those issues. That's hey, what we're working on. Do you know what I'm excited for? And I'm gonna put this uh, on the front end of this too. But you know, I think for, as a content company revolving around golf content, unless you're talking about trap draw, we don't really talk about golf there, but. I appreciate your guys' support. And tomorrow, so this podcast will come out tonight. Tomorrow, Benny and I are starting our own show. And it's not going to be an audio yeah. show. It's going to be a, our, our first true video-only podcast. It's called The Cut. So what The Cut is going to be is kind of like a weekly wrap-up show. We're going to take Ben and I's opinion from every content offering that NLU has as well as other insights, tidbits from the world of golf, but specifically from our point of view, we're going to have a, a rotating cast from the NLU5 when available and, and definitely when applicable. But me and Ben, the B-roll boys, now that you've... I, th- I think we can say you probably retired from that. I, I think so. Yeah. Much like the kid. Yeah. We had to... <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I made it past single A as the B-roll boy. That wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't making the big leagues on that side. I I will say I do think my my shooting I've improved nowhere near as much as you and Ben or DJ. But I, I know my way around a camera, which is another skill. Yeah. It's like it's just a big. You know how to do something decent. Like that's a good skill to have. That, going back to the Swiss Army knife, I absolutely agree. Yep. But Benny and I started our own video podcast series. We're going to talk. Specific insights starting out, I think uh, we wanted to roll this out when Tour Saw started coming out because it's easy, people are excited, and most importantly, we're utilizing a new service called Riverside FM that allows us to have a live studio audience, much like a YouTube premiere that we have, but a live studio audience that we can actually pull audience members into the live show to ask questions. So if you think like a radio talk show, that's kind of what it's going to be. Post-production-wise, once the show is done, we'll, we'll get it up on the YouTube page and, and see where it goes. But it's something that I'm very, very excited for. I appreciate not only your support, but the rest of the company's support. And we'll see where it goes. Well, I think it's the idea really resonated with me. It's like a video newsletter. Yep. It's like the, I love writing the email newsletter. So this is just almost like a, it's just a more immersive version of that. There's just so many little 
And I, I know that's what gets DJ jacked up too, is when the ideas are like, oh my God, we could do, there's so many different directions we could go with like bringing in guests and like, and I think having the nest, you know, you gotta be a nest member, especially early on in the beta phase Yep. to uh, interact. But it's like not a massive, like unknown audience. It's like, oh, so you're going to get some questions or some people that have some context and like, you know, are deep. So that's going to lead to better content that goes out to everybody, right? So it's like almost a, I like the uh, interactive participation aspect of it too. Yeah, on plus on top of it, like I was honestly scared that some of those bots that I get in the live shows might jump on and try to ask questions. I, I'm just trying to to prepare myself so we don't get uh, the show doesn't get canceled on week one. So that's, that's why. I love it. <laughs> <clears throat> all, all right, right so it's tomorrow at tomorrow what? at one o'clock eastern noon central and it'll be i'm gonna I'll, I'll create a link up there on the refuge and and put the dial in information and ben and i'll be monitoring and like i said if you want to be a part of the live studio audience you have to be a member of the nest because that's where you're going to get the link for the show we're going to kick it off focusing this week on episode one stockholm or travel to stockholm what it was like getting situated on the ground. You know, we had a nice, lovely day. And there's just a lot of things that come out while you're there in person that don't, you know, they can't come out in the film because each episode would end up being two hours long. And who wants to watch a two-hour-long YouTube video? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's people out there, but... There might be a couple of them For, for sure, but uh, not me. But I do know, uh, back to your, like, uh, New Delhi... Uh, streaming services, the bot farms out there that seems to be attacking all those two-hour-long golf videos. But that's not going to be us. That's not going to be here. But yeah, we're going to get loose. Good. And I, I would like to give a shout-out to Mr. Ma. Yeah. Today's sponsor. I was wearing the one-armed hoodie yesterday. And when paired with the with – I had a black long sleeve on underneath of it. I guess kind of a crispy look. For sure it uh, is. So, yeah. I need, to, I need to check out what else they got cooking. You know, the majority uh, the, the majority of the Mr. Moss sponsored athletes are playing this week. It's the final rounds today of the National Adaptive and Disabled National Championship. So we got quite a few of the guys out there still just just crushing it, playing really good competitive golf. They play more competitive golf than I do, which is is yeah. great for them and exciting. You know, Mason and Matt, both incredible dudes, and it means a lot that they jumped on and support downrange all right buddy i appreciate the time Thanks. i know you got a lot to get back to you got to get those sales closed so you can enjoy your uh december that's the key we got to get the deals done you know Co- coffees for closers only <laughs> all right buddy have a good day